So this is one practice that I find is very supportive for when we have strong emotions. And I'd like to tell you a a little brief experience um, that also was very helpful for me. So as Carlita mentioned, I was in the monastic community of Thich Nhat Hanh uh, for 15 years. And um, the process of figuring out if I needed to leave or not was very, um, was a really tough moment of my life because I expected to be a nun my whole life. That's what I thought. I was doing when I ordained at age 25. Um, and so, and my whole adult life had been in the monastery with this clear identity and role as an older sister, as um, someone who really was contributing to helping the community function and, and grow. And And yet I was feeling something was really calling to me that was saying that you need to leave. And this was not the plan and there was no clear path for me outside of the monastery. There was no future that I could really clearly see in terms of there was no job, no relationship, no community, no place to live, no security. And so part of me was like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you just be happy and stay here where everything is set up for you very nicely? Um, Why are you trying to mess with that? And yet, as I sat with it in my practice, I just thought I can't stay just because this is what's comfortable, but because this is what's known to me. And there just kept being this calling that wouldn't, you know, I couldn't ignore it and it wouldn't um, stop. And so at that time I was living in our center in Germany, our monastery, and we were about to host two large retreats of about a thousand people each. And Thai Thich Nhat Hanh, our teacher, was coming from France to, to teach these retreats. And Usually I was very involved in in organizing them, helping them run. But I was in such a kind of internal conflict about my path that I really felt I couldn't even stay there for the retreats because it was just, I just felt so confused inside. So I asked the sisters at the monastery if I could go to Plum Village, our monastery in France, during all the busyness of these two retreats, they didn't feel it was a great idea. And they asked me to ask our teacher directly for his permission. So I went to him, he had just arrived and I I said, I really don't think I can do this. I don't have any space inside and I just think this is gonna be way too much for me. And he just heard me out quietly, and and that's what he would always do, just listen. And then he just said very calmly, he said, you know, I hear what you're saying, and you can stay here. 
like you're capable of being here during this time. But I was like, wait, no, it's just too much inside of me. I'm really, I feel pressed up against a wall. And then he said, well, this is exactly the time where you take refuge in the basic practices of mindful breathing and mindful walking, being aware of each breath, being aware of every step. (laughs) So this picture is from when I ordained. It's the day I became a nun. So this exchange that I'm describing I I would have been a bit older, but I would have had that shaved head and been wearing the robe and and tie. Yeah, just doing his best to to guide me. Thank you so much, Carlita. So he said, anytime you walk, you just practice knowing you're walking. When you take a breath, just practice knowing that you're breathing. And as I listened to him speak, something in me began to relax and soften, you know, all of that um, feeling of being overwhelmed, it started to recede. And I was able to really take in what he was saying. And I realized as I heard him say that, I was like, oh, he's right. Like, he was seeing a capacity in me that I wasn't seeing in myself that I could actually stay for the retreats, even if it felt um, like, like a lot. And he made it very clear. He was very compassionate. He said, you don't have to be on the you know, front lines of the retreat, making announcements and organizing things the way I would often be facilitating a group. But he said, I could just stay there and be with the community. And so I felt transformed by that exchange and I was willing to try and just be there. And that exchange made things much more workable. Um, Tai was reminding me, my teacher was reminding me of the basic practices of how we get through difficult moments, of how we get through really intense emotional storms and it really helped me to weather that storm Um, and in the end my experience of both of those retreats turned out to be if affirming and empowering Um, i didn't have major responsibilities and i was really nourished by the energy of mindfulness of the whole community and i participated in the activities and it was It was uplifting, it was supportive for me. And I was really in touch with the beauty of being part of a large group of people practicing to be grounded. So the collective energy helped me to stay grounded in my own um, body and, and present moment reality. And so I realized because I managed to be there and to be well, Uh, that I had the capacity to persevere and find my center in the midst of a crisis of of a lot of confusion. And I wouldn't have learned that about myself if I had run away to, to another monastery. So when we feel overwhelmed, 
when we feel tight and um, like there's so much internal pressure or external pressure, we can shift our experience through this basic practice of being with what is here and now. Because so much of the overwhelm and the stress comes from all that we are afraid might happen in the future. But right in this moment, there is this ability to recognize fear, to recognize confusion, suffering, to be with it, to hold it, to not be swallowed by it. There is non-fear in the present moment if we pause, if we touch in, and that is available to us. So stopping, which is what he was inviting me to do, I was running in my head, this story of I can't, can't be here, I can't handle this. And he was saying, just stop, just be right in this moment, feel your feet, feel your breath. If we do that, we can touch into something that's deeper than the overwhelm. And so so I'm going to invite us now to do a, for a short time, one of these practices that Tai was inviting me to focus on, which was my breath. And there's a, a practice of belly breathing where we focus just on our breathing. And a helpful image for this practice is if you think of a tree in a storm, the top of the tree is waving about very violently, but the trunk of the tree is solid. And it's a big um, old tree. And so we are the same in times of turmoil, the mind is the tops of the branches, and that's not a very helpful place to dwell when we're in an emotional storm. It can even be dangerous. If we feed the thoughts of anxiety, despair, we can really get ourselves into trouble. Instead, we can bring our attention down to the trunk of our tree, our belly, which is stable and steady. And that's where we will be safe. So we bring all of our awareness to our, the movement of the belly as we breathe and we don't let our attention stay with the thrashing of the upper branches of our, of our mind, our thinking mind, at least not until they calm down and the storm has passed. And if you If you recall the movements we did for the vagal tone, the vagal nerve, they started above and they went down. So it's a supporting practice that helps us to come down to this rooted place of of the belly. So that's the movement we need to make when we're in difficulties. Go down to where we're more solid, more stable. So 
Let's try this if you are up for it for just a few minutes. You could do it seated. If, you're, if you want to stretch out and lie down, you could also do it lying down. It's a little easier sometimes to feel the movement of the belly lying down, but we can also do it seated. Um, if you are lying down, it can be helpful to place something that has a little bit of weight, like maybe a pound on your belly, maybe a book or a bag of rice or even a pillow. When I do this with children, we have them put their stuffed animals on their bellies. A warm water bottle can help also. But only use a weight if it's comfortable. So once you're in your position, if you are seated, you might want to rest your hands on your belly as we were doing in the sequence. And just see if you feel the breath moving in your belly. Sometimes when we're upset or anxious, we breathe more shallowly, so we may not feel it in the belly. So that's okay. Just let your attention dwell on your belly. Over time, your breath may deepen into that part of the body. So all we do is feel the breath flowing in, flowing out. Bringing all of our attention to the rising of the belly as you inhale and the falling of the belly as you exhale. Noticing the rising, noticing the falling. If you find your mind caught up in other things, seeing if you can acknowledge what that is without engaging with it and just returning to the experience of the belly rising and falling.
Returning to rest your attention on the sensation of the movement of the abdomen. Just that, only that. If your hands are resting on your belly or there's a weight on it, you can stay connected to the feeling of contact or pressure, weight. That can help the mind stay with the breath in the abdomen. Giving yourself the possibility of grounding yourself so that you can care for this strong emotion. The purpose of this is not to suppress it or make it go away. It's to ground ourselves so we can meet it with more space and stability. Take another few deep breaths and when you're ready, we can return to our space here together. So, inviting you to return <clears throat> and just offer that this practice can also really be supportive for young people. Um, 
can help to to really save someone in difficulty. You can support another person who's uh, really in difficulty if if they're open to this. To actually, you could rest your hand on their belly or on top of their hands on their belly to help them have more mindfulness energy to feel the rising and falling. So that's a way you could also support someone to come back to their um, the part of them that can make it through that storm, which is always there. So I'd like to offer some more background and um, practices for caring for strong emotions. Um, And I want to begin with uh, a slide that um, just visualizes, helps to visualize um, the mind, according to Buddhist psychology. And can you see this purple drawing? Okay. So in Buddhist psychology, there are different layers of the mind. And in this diagram, I'm just showing two layers. The upper layer is mind consciousness, which is what is engaged as soon as we wake up and it keeps us able to function throughout our day, um, getting things done. And and it's also active when we are dreaming. That's the mind consciousness. Then this second layer below is the store consciousness which is like our unconscious mind. And it's where all these potentialities are stored in the form of seeds. So we call them seeds or bija in Sanskrit. And they are called seeds because they are the, the things that if they are watered, by our environment, our internal environment or external environment, they will sprout up into mind consciousness. So in Buddhist psychology, there are said to be 52 kinds of these seeds. And we all have all the seeds. So we all have wholesome seeds in us like mindfulness, generosity, love, forgiveness, um, non-discrimination, wisdom, and we all have all the unwholesome seeds of um, greed, hatred, ignorance, um, discrimination. Um, And then there are a few that are indeterminate but depend on the situation, whether they're wholesome or unwholesome. And so I didn't say bad or good because none of the seeds in our store consciousness are bad. 
They're unwholesome because they lead to suffering. They're wholesome because they lead to well-being. They all need to be welcomed and understood and um, accepted as part of who we are. So none of them are wrong or bad, but they just need to be handled skillfully. And so... Let me stop the share. So, so we could also think of the, the mind consciousness as like our living room. It's our waking mind. And the lower consciousness, the store consciousness, as like the basement. That's another analogy. Um, and um, so when a seed is watered in our basement, in our store consciousness, it comes up into the living room. We have a guest in the living room. And depending on the quality, the nature of that guest, our living room may become a pleasant place or may become a very unpleasant place to be. So when it changes from a sleeping state as a seed in store consciousness, it now becomes an activated mental state. It's no longer sleeping, but it's now capable of impacting our body and our actions and changing our physiology. So we, we are now sort of becoming this emotion, this mind state, this Another technical term in Buddhism is mental formation. So um, there's another slide that shows this. So here you have a seed that has been touched so maybe, let's say, um, your seed of sadness. Before it was asleep, you weren't feeling sad, and then something happened, you remembered something, or you saw something on the news, or someone told you something, and that watered the seed of sadness, and it rose up into mind consciousness, and now the energy, the mind state, the emotion of sadness is there in the living room, right? And so it's affecting how we feel. It's um, certain processes in the body get shut down. Other processes get accelerated um, physiologically when when we're, when a strong emotion comes into the living room. So we may find that we don't sleep so well because of all of the thoughts connected to the images, connected to this emotion, or maybe we lose our appetite because we're so affected by this emotion or or even our immunity begins to be impacted because of the stress of this experience. And so what's important to notice, to, to be aware of, is 
however long an emotion is in the mind consciousness, in the upper level of the mind, that's how long the seed at the root of store consciousness is getting fed. So when a guest with the living room analogy is entertained in the living room for 30 minutes, the seed in in the basement is getting 30 minutes of food. So if sadness arises and we let sadness take over and we just are thinking sad thoughts and we're, um, and the emotion of, of sadness is all that we're experiencing, then, then that seed of sadness in the root of our mind gets bigger. It gets watered. And so once sadness fades, that seed is more likely to arise in the future and it will be faster for it to come up. It will last longer and it will be more intense because of that 30 minutes of unsupervised time in our mind consciousness. I like to call it, there's no adult supervision when an emotion like that just takes over. And and the same thing happens if it's a wholesome seed, if it's a seed that arises in the mind that's joy or gratitude or generosity. If we are practicing generosity or practicing gratitude or joy for 30 minutes, that seed is getting 30 minutes of food in our store consciousness. And so the next time something happens, it's so easy to feel generosity or to feel gratitude. And it arises much faster. It's more intense and it lasts longer because at the root, it's been getting fed. So with regard to painful emotions, um, strong emotions like anger, sadness, despair, anxiety, we tend to have two extremes of responding. So in one extreme is to get caught by that emotion, like I was when I went to Thai, when I said, look, I'm overwhelmed, I can't, can't do anything but escape this situation. Um, that feeling of overwhelm, of anxiety, was, had taken over my living room. And so that's the path we take when we are cultivating that emotion and it's, it's taken us over. Whether it's anger and then we do things out of anger and we intensify the anger, um, which only makes our tendency to be angry even more. Um, and we can get trapped in these patterns of, um, of kind of being ruled by our reactivity. Um, the other extreme 
is that we suppress painful emotions like anger and fear and we avoid them and we pretend that they aren't there. We consume substances, foods, movies, books, conversations. We use, you know, (laughs) driving fast, some kind of speed to escape, to to not have to, to feel the pain. So both of those are extremes. Um, and just to say here that emotions, um, they want to move. And um, the actual word emotion, the etymology of the word is to move out. So the um, the, it's based on the Latin word emovere, a meaning out, ex, and movere to move. And what causes us so much pain when strong emotions are there is when they are stuck. And if they have space to flow, to move, they don't hurt as much. Um, and so... Another helpful understanding out of um, psychology, behavioral sciences today, is this distinction between primary and secondary emotions. And so a primary emotion is any emotion that we experience because of a triggering event, which might be external or it might be our own physical pain or a memory that arises internally that sets off a primary emotion, and then our primary emotion is in response to that triggering event, and it might be surprise, it might be fear, confusion, anger, um, sadness. And then a secondary emotion is an emotion that arises in us in response to the primary emotion. So we might feel shame as a secondary emotion because we felt afraid, which was the primary emotion. Or we might feel embarrassment, secondary emotion, that we got angry, the primary emotion. Or we might be angry that we're sad. And so what often is the problem is how we respond to our primary emotions with some kind of shutting down response with the secondary emotion, some kind of telling ourselves, you shouldn't be here, this is wrong, you have to go away. And this always makes things worse, because what do emotions want to do? They want to move out of us. And our secondary emotions often have the uh, effect of champing them down, suppressing them. So those are the two extremes. We either get consumed by that thing, that emotion or we try to suppress it we try to push it away and neither of them help us to transform these mind states at their root in store consciousness the good news is we all have the seed of mindfulness in our store consciousness in the basement and we can always call this mind state up whenever we want It's always there. It's always available. 
So one mindful breath, one step made in awareness, one bodily movement made with awareness is enough to bring up the seed of mindfulness. And it becomes present in our living room as the energy of mindfulness, that that circle that it was in the diagram that takes up space. It starts to influence our body, our mind. Mindfulness has a soothing and refreshing effect on our body and mind. It brings attentiveness, it brings a friendliness and a curiosity to our experience. And with mindfulness, we actually have the possibility of feeling our our emotions, feeling them in our body. We can also talk about it as bodyfulness, not just as mindfulness. And that's a middle way between these two extremes. And it's a third option that actually leads to transformation and peace. We can care for any of our strong emotions like anger, jealousy, sadness, confusion, fear, by calling mindfulness up into the living room. As soon as we notice that a painful emotion, an unwholesome seed has arisen, and we can say to ourselves, breathing in, I know that I'm angry. Breathing out, I'm here for my anger. So we don't deny our anger. We don't try to distract ourselves from it with technology, with consuming something. We turn towards our anger. We face it. And it can be very helpful here to notice how it impacts our body. What are the ramifications? What are the, what are the telltale signs that help us know, oh, anger is here or sadness is here? Do we feel it in our chest? Is it an ache? Is it a heat? Is it a stabbing? Is it a pounding? Do we feel it in our head, in our lower back? So I'll show you a final slide, which is of mindfulness embracing the strong emotion. So here you see the first circle was, is the strong emotion, the painful emotion. And now we call up mindfulness. As soon as we notice there's a difficulty coming up, we say, ah, there's a difficulty coming up. I don't need to judge it. I don't need to push it away. And then we bring up mindfulness. And mindfulness embraces it, it it holds that emotion saying i see you i've got you i'm here for you you don't have to go anywhere else you don't have to change you can just be held in this moment so that's mindfulness embracing a strong emotion with kindness with friendliness with compassion So as soon as we do this, as soon as mindfulness shows up to care for an emotion, it starts to settle that emotion. 
because we're not pushing it away. When we're pushing it away, it feels it has to get stronger to, to right? If you, if you, you know, tell someone they have to be quiet, you know, on the bus or on the train, they, they're going to want to speak even more, right? It makes it get stronger in them. So when we just say, okay, I see, I see you, I see you're here, that emotion starts to settle because it's not having to hold its ground. It's being recognized. It's being seen. So the tension begins to diffuse for that situation. We're being honest with ourselves. We're returning home to take care of that tense situation in the living room. So the recognizing of the emotion is also very, very powerful. I remember once I woke up, I was on a retreat somewhere, and I woke up at four in the morning, and I just started thinking about things, things I had to figure out and take care of. And unbeknownst to me, these thoughts were leading to a lot of tension in my body and some, you know, a little storm was starting to brew. And then I just recognized, oh, this is worry. Then mindfulness was suddenly there in the living room. Before that, worry was just taking over my living room, and I didn't have the presence of mind to notice it. I was just caught up in those thoughts, and worry was taking me for a ride. And as soon as I noticed, oh, this is worry, Mindfulness was there, and I could begin to breathe with my worry. Instead of having all the thoughts take me over, I could just recognize, oh yeah, worry is here. Let me just feel where this is in my body. I see you worry, is what I told myself. I'm here for you. And my body immediately started to release tension, which I didn't, hadn't realized it was holding until that moment. And then I wasn't fighting it. I wasn't reacting to it. I was just aware of my body and my breath. I was able to give it space, care for it. And then I was able to return to a deep place of rest because I wasn't fighting or taken over by the emotion. And so mindfulness first recognizes the strong emotion. It begins. It holds space for it. It's like, oh, yeah, you're here, and that's okay. That's part of what being human is, right? We all have all the seeds. So mindfulness then begins to accept it, to give it space. So we open to our experience of anger. We allow it to be here. We generate compassion for ourselves. We see anger as a part of us, or any strong emotion is a part of us, so we don't want to reject it or judge it. Now, accepting our strong emotion doesn't mean that it has freedom to cause destruction. With mindfulness in the living room, it is held and it can't create harm. So as we accept our emotions, we allow it to be there, there's this another step where we begin to embrace our strong emotions. So it's like an older sibling or caretaker taking care of a crying baby. So we acknowledge that this part of us is suffering and we move in, we move closer, we open our arms 
we hold it, we take care of it, we can rock it, we can soothe it, we can even speak to this part of ourselves, we can say, Oh, my dear anger, my dear sadness, my fear, I'm here for you. I'm holding you with my mindfulness and I'll stay here. I'll take good care of you. I won't leave you. I won't deny you. You're a part of me and I'm here to embrace you with my kindness, my concern. And all of the mindfulness practice that we do in our daily life, it gives us the strength, the 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 possibility of holding strong emotions in this way, right? So every time you do any kind of mindfulness practice, you're putting money in the bank, so to speak, so that when a strong emotion arises, you have something with which to meet it, right? If we don't practice, and when a strong emotion comes, it's much harder to have that energy cultivated that can hold the strong emotion. And I want to say here, too, that in this step of embracing a strong emotion, self-touch can be very helpful. We can hold our emotion. We can put our hands where we feel it, if it's our shoulder, if it's our forehead, if it's our hips, our belly. We can bring our attention there with our hands, letting it take up more space. This is from integral somatic psychotherapy or integral somatic psychology uh, raja selvam it's a kind of somatic ex- um, practice similar to somatic experiencing when we identify where that strong emotion is in the body bringing our hands to to do kind self-touch can give that ex- that emotion more space remember emotion wants to move out So we give it space and we can also use our hands to allow that space to happen. So if we're feeling anxiety in our chest, we can bring care there with a hand, allowing it to spread through our upper chest. And we can also bring another hand to the belly or to the hip or to the leg or to a foot and just invite that emotion to have even more space between the hands to have more room in the body and so as we embrace our emotion it starts to be relieved and as it feels it has space to to be it's no longer fighting to be it begins to reveal itself to us and we can see things that we couldn't see when we were caught up in the emotion. So it starts to reveal itself at its depths. And as we settle in, we may see where it comes from. Like maybe this emotion isn't even from us, from our lifetime. Maybe it's from our ancestors or from our community or from our nation. And when we understand it better, we are better able to help it to release. We can even ask our emotion, what do you need? What would help that I could offer? And we may hear a response back. So this is a kind of investigating of our anger, a looking deeply of our strong emotion. And it leads us to insight into some deeply held patterns and um, beliefs. And then we may find that we are transforming our behavior and our attitudes because we have understood this emotion at the root, 
And so when we practice taking care of our strong emotion with mindfulness in this way, we have, we have brought up the emotion into mind consciousness, given it a bath of mindfulness, and then it's coming back down into store consciousness a little smaller. And so the next time something upsets us, something makes us sad, makes us fearful, it's slower to come up. It's less intense and it passes more quickly. So in this way, any strong emotion begins to have a weaker and weaker hold on us. And we become more and more free because these parts of ourselves aren't latching on to us with the same kind of speed and intensity and duration. So Dan Emmon says, what most needs attention is the part of us that we seek to avoid feeling. When we have tended to that, we are changed and the world changes with us. So this practice of caring for strong emotions, it's not just for us. It is a gift we offer to our whole world as we become less reactive the world becomes less reactive as we become more free the world becomes more free so let me pause here and uh, we'll listen to a sound of the bell together just to let let all of that settle inside So we'll take a five minute break now and we'll come back at 17 past the hour and that's when we'll do a meditation on caring for strong emotions. So welcome back everyone. So this um, meditation is on embracing strong emotions. And I invite you to bring to mind something that is just slightly difficult. So on a scale of one to 10, I would say pick something that's at a five or less of intensity. It could be a difficult or challenging moment that you experienced recently, but not a major or particularly traumatic one. So it's best to to do this with something easier to begin with. Alternatively, you could bring to mind a situation that happened some time ago, but that involves a sticky or difficult emotion that you often encounter in your life and that you're curious about, that you want to um, explore. So if at any point in this meditation you feel overwhelmed, then just pause the meditation 
You can open your eyes if you have them closed and connect with the places in your body that are making contact uh, with other things or bring awareness to the colors and shapes in the environment. So you can change your bodily position, stretch, get tea or something to drink. And then if you feel more settled after that, you can resume the practice. Or you might shift instead to simply being mindful of the body and of the breath. And what can also be helpful is to bring up a memory or a time of um, feeling well, feeling connected, feeling strong, feeling loved, feeling inspired. As a resourcing experience so that if the touching into the emotional pain is a lot you can come back to that memory of the time when you felt really happy really well really um, supported so find a comfortable position Letting the body open and settle. Feel the solidity and stability of the earth. Letting it hold you. Allow your body to rest within the support of the earth. Connect with the experience of breathing in and breathing out. Feeling sensations in your body. Just let the breath, let the body do what it knows how to do. There's nothing to manage. Just notice how it takes care of itself. So let your attention sweep through your body now to release places of holding or tension in your face, 
your jaw, shoulders, chest, back, belly, any other places that might need your attention. Also noticing if there are places in the body that feel good, that feel grounded, calm, pleasant, or neutral, where things are just okay. As it can be helpful to first resource yourself, bring to mind a place, person, or animal that helps you to feel safe and connected. To feel grounded. Visualizing the characteristics of this being or this place. Connect with the positive feelings you have when you are close to this being, to this place. Breathe these feelings into your body and mind and allow them to nourish you. Now allow the difficult emotion to be here. From that difficult, challenging situation. Imagine yourself back in that situation and notice what emotion or emotions arose. Was it anger, worry, fear, sadness, doubt, shame, disappointment? Something else? Notice how it feels in you now as you bring it up. What are its qualities? 
Is it heavy, sticky, sharp, dull, aching, hot, or cold? Allow mindfulness to come up now and be with your emotion. With mindfulness, you can breathe in and out and recognize the emotion, calling it by name if you can name it. It's okay if you can't. Becoming familiar with it. Stay present with the emotion. Breathe in and out, staying focused on what you experience in your body. As mindfulness recognizes the pain, painful experience, it helps us to accept this painful emotion. And if part of you wants to run away, then you can accept that. You can be mindful of that. It's natural and normal to not want to be close to our pain. But with mindfulness, when mindfulness is here, it helps us to give space to this emotion, to offer it friendship. So feel yourself supported by mindfulness to open and offer acceptance and friendliness to this painful emotion to whatever extent you can. Now, with this gentle opening toward your experience, you can embrace this part of you, accepting it even more deeply. 
opening your arms to it and offering it love and care like you would hold a crying baby who just needs compassion and care. If there's judgment toward your emotion, see if you can bring in the energy of acceptance, even towards the judgment, allowing it to be there. And maybe even offering tenderness to yourself, saying, my dear emotion, I'm here for you, holding you. I will take good care of you. I won't leave you or abandon you. Let yourself express whatever wants to come to this part of yourself that has maybe been rejected many times, been ignored. Maybe now it can really get the care that it needs. So take several deep breaths as you bring this attitude of embracing to this part of yourself. And notice how it feels in your body. Now turn with interest to explore what this emotion may have to teach you. What wisdom does it hold? What has brought it about? Maybe it begins to reveal itself to you 
showing you things you hadn't seen or understood before. So look deeply into it to see it more clearly. What might this emotion need or want from you right now? really wonderful, really good work. And so now let yourself settle back and rest, opening to whatever's here in your body, in your awareness. Allow any insights or openings that you experienced, some space and time to integrate. You might reflect on how you want to be relating to this emotion in the future when it arises again. How you might regard it and befriend it. And so we'll listen to a sound of the bell to close our practice, just letting your being rest in the breath, in the body, allowing everything to settle into you.
Thank you for your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.